What we do know is that some relationships can be immensely toxic and can erode our resilience, almost beating us and our self-worth down until we become a shell of ourselves. And this might actually be a spouse, a friend, or even a boss at work. Whereas other relationships can bring us immense joy, gratitude, and vitality. And so they're actually building us up into better versions of ourselves. Welcome to the Virgin Active Minds podcast by Virgin Active where we dive deep into conversations with the best and the brightest minds in the health and well-being world. If you've got questions about health, exercise, or any dimension of well-being, we've got the answers one expert at a time. I'm Mark Cito, your host, because I love all things well-being, from exercise, work, relationships, and going deep inside our minds. I'm here to explore it all with you. This is what they came for. Are you resilient? How resilient are you? Is resilience just about doing more stuff in less time? Or is it about how well you bounce back from challenging and difficult times? And how do you become more resilient? We dive into all of these questions with my next guest, Matt Hughes. Matt, a husband, father, keen surfer, Englishman, and leading resilience expert, is the founder of Ripen, a global business that's bringing the power of resilience training to individuals and teams in companies all across the globe, building resilience for optimal well-being and performance. It was such a treat chatting to Matt, and he really gave me a much clearer picture of resilience, which has helped me to get an understanding of my own levels of resilience and the tools I have to strengthen it. Here we are. Matt Hughes, welcome to Virgin Active Minds Podcast. How are you? Thanks, Mark. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Um, Very excited to get into this topic, resilience, with you. Before we get there, though, can you give us a bit of a synopsis on who you are, what you do, what's brought you to this point? Absolutely. Well, the short version is I'm an Englishman who lives in Australia now. I have two children and the third one on the way. And I'm probably the most boring person you could get stuck talking to at a barbecue because I was a chartered accountant who retrained in psychology and coaching resilience. Um, So the slightly longer version is I was born and raised in England and my resilience journey up until 2011 was was like most other people's. I'd navigated a difficult childhood. I'd built a successful career and emigrated to a new country. And these were challenging things that definitely provided me with a fertile ground for cultivating resilience. But after a series of personal setbacks combined, including the loss of a close loved one to cancer, my resilience came crashing down like a house of cards. Uh, It's not that I wasn't resilient, it's just that life has a funny way of pushing us to new limits. And so I retrained in psychology to understand myself better uh, but I, under, I uncovered decades of research into resilience and human endurance, and I was finding the awareness and the skills that I was bringing to my own life and then into my consulting and coaching work were really benefiting uh, myself and others in a, in a pretty profound way. So in 2016, I founded Ripen, and along with a team of expert coaches, we've trained people and teams in over 25 countries and multiple languages in practical and proven resilience skills training. 
Um, and away from work, I'm mostly with my kids, usually getting my toenails painted by my daughter uh, and my steps up chasing my son around. Or you can find me out surfing on the south coast of Sydney where, with my wife and friends where we're really blessed to live. Lovely. Thank you for that introduction. Um, and, and a question we ask all of our guests right at the start, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, well, Mark, I try to get up before my kids each morning, which is getting earlier and earlier. And my motivation for doing this is so I can get some time to myself to exercise or just enjoy some quiet time before the day takes off. My morning alarm has a message that says, today is a gift. Watch your number, which is a reference to one of my favorite quotes from Eleanor Roosevelt and to a resilience technique. And I read this message as I'm, start, as I'm turning off my alarm and starting my day. And it's, it's motivation to make the most of the day, which works most days. <laughs> Not all, but most. Mm. And what's the what's your number piece? Yeah, so what's your number? This, this is a technique uh, regarding mindset awareness, which we'll probably talk about in the conversation today and, and how we can check in with our mindset. And uh, it's a technique that we train people in. And, and the number is a reference to, to thinking about your mindset. Oh, okay. Well, I look forward to diving into that a little more. I'm always up for a new little tool and challenge. <laughs> so we're going to talk about resilience. Yes. Um, can you tell us, uh, maybe in layman's terms, yeah. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. What is it? What does it mean? What is resilience? Yeah, let's start from from the beginning. The word resilience comes from the Latin word resilier, meaning to recoil or rebound. And it was later translated into the noun we use today, resilience, which is the act of rebounding. So if we consider this idea of rebounding, if you were to put an apple in, in a vice, you know, a vice you find in a workshop, and you were to wind that vice up a certain number of times, it wouldn't take many terms, turns of the vice before the apple com- exploded or, or was crushed. And so let's say we unwind the vice, we clean the apple away, and we put a tennis ball in that same vice, and we wind it up. Only this time, the same number of winds that, that crushed the tennis ball so, sorry, that crushed the apple. The tennis ball actually is okay with that same number of turns. And actually, we could probably go a few more. And then when we release the vice and unwind it again, the tennis ball actually comes back to its original shape and size. And this compressive stress test is what they actually use for, for making sure tennis balls are suitable to go on centre court. So if we say, if we use that analogy, we'd say an apple is not very resilient, but a tennis ball is. And so the definition for resilience of an object is it's the capacity of a strained body like an apple or a tennis ball to recover its original shape and size after deformation caused, especially by that compressive stress. Now, the last few years has put us all in a metaphorical voice under immense compressive stress, right? And it's tested all of our abilities to recover or rebound. And many people refer to human resilience as someone's ability to bounce back. And you may have heard this or said this yourself. You know, Jane is really resilient. Look how quickly she can bounce back. But this idea of bouncing back in terms of human resilience is actually fundamentally inaccurate. And anybody who has been through major hardships will know that we cannot go back. It's a it's a law of nature that we cannot go back in time. What what happens to us becomes part of us. 
And so resilient people are, are those who, are, who have learned healthy ways to face hardships, get the job done, and still become a better version of themselves in the process. So true resilience is not about moving. Uh, it's not about bouncing back. It's about moving moving forward. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of like even, you know, people talking about when is it going to go back to normal yep. after this pandemic? And it's like, well, and I guess that's where this phrase, the new normal, <laughs> has yes. come about. <laughs> yeah we've heard the term resilience being weaponized a little bit you know just be more resilient just meditate you know go and go and get some some downtime and come back and you know it's it's actually not about just being more resilient the the best definition we've come to use when referring to the resilience of a person is you know the resilience of you the resilience of me the resilience of everyone listening is it's a set of abilities that enable good outcomes despite serious threats and this set of abilities, true resilience is cultivated, not innate. Or put another way, there are certain traits or attributes that we're born with that make us resilient. But most of what makes someone resilient is learned and cultivated. Yes, what we're born with gets us started, but it's what we learn to think, feel and do that really determines the level of resilience we have throughout life. Mm. And why do we need to be resilient just to be able to continue to face hardships is that is that the yeah yeah exactly well we need to have resilience to face and overcome life's inevitable threats and challenges i often playfully say that a more accurate definition of resilience should actually be resilience is life strategically managed it's it's a fact of life that nobody escapes pain fear or suffering you know some people start life faced with immense insecurity or danger from birth and need resilience just to make it through each day, whereas others can reach adulthood before facing any major hardships. And regardless of where you fall on that sort of experience, every single one of us has had to get through a series of personal challenges and obstacles just to reach this point in our lives. Mm, mm. And a key thing to know or knowledge is that you are already resilient to some degree. If you've learned a skill, if you've overcome a failure or navigated a loss, then you have likely already cultivated some resilience. But it's important. It's also important to acknowledge that just because we made it through a tough situation doesn't mean we're instantly more resilient. You know, many people have, have survived the pandemic, a pandemic which we're so thankful for, but will likely be feeling their resilience is at an all-time low. Mm. right and and being resilient in one situation doesn't guarantee our resilience in others military personnel who are resilient through the most extreme threats of war can can often return home and struggle to be resilient in everyday life such as juggling parenting that someone who's not a military person finds easier right uh, we all kind of have our own hierarchy of what we find challenging or what situations will really test our own resilience yeah which does kind of lead to the question I, the next question I, which i was going to ask was are there certain areas of our life where we need to or should be more resilient but potentially it sounds like it's you know if you're in the military then yeah of course there's going to be times that you're going to need to be more resilient compared to me as a podcast host and yoga teacher (laughs) yeah yeah but that that doesn't mean you're any 
less likely to go through pain, fear and suffering. You're just your situations you're facing are different. And personally, in terms of you know, where we need resilience, personally, being a parent, having a demanding job and facing all the uncertainty in the world today, I've found myself drawing on my resilience awareness and skills every day, including the weekend often hourly Mm. you know we need resilience for everyday challenges and setbacks like juggling work deadlines around juggling home life Mm. you know we need it for overcoming adversity or trauma like loss which we don't have to be in the military to experience loss and we need it for overcoming other risk factors you know insert covid19 the threat of covid19 that's another risk factor and there's really there's really three types of resilience we can cultivate, which talks to where we need it. We, we can cultivate biological, cognitive and social resilience. So biological resilience refers to our ability to cope with physical threats. This is the level of resilience we have when facing things like common colds and viruses or other things that push our bodies to their limit. And of course, the physical threats of someone going to war are very real. So they'd need an immense biological resilience to, to be able to cope and thrive in those physically threatening situations. But we're all facing the threats of, of, of physical limits as well, right? And then there's cognitive resilience, which refers to our ability to cope with psychological threats. And this could be trying to complete a complex task at work or facing immense workload stress. You know, or managing the barrage of negative news reported across the entire world as at today, right? And then there's social resilience, which refers to our ability to cope with social threats. And some obvious examples of of this are receiving critical or harsh feedback or where you've been unable to see loved ones and friends for extended periods of time. And and so, Mark, I'm sure, you know, with your work, you've you've faced challenges in all of those areas, right? Like everybody listening would have. Mm, definitely. The news, the news in particular, like I've, I kind of miss Lisa and Michael from ABC News in the morning <laughs> because yeah. I just, I just can't turn it on anymore. Like I cannot, yeah. I, you know, that was a bit of, it was a bit of a ritual for me. Making a yeah. coffee was the first thing and I love that ritual. And then sitting yeah. down to watch Lisa and Michael on ABC Breakfast News. Lovely. <laughs> but now I sit. With the, I don't turn the TV on like I do. Yeah. I'll just sit in the morning. And, of course, I might scroll through something or put on yeah. an audible. But, you know, yeah. that that I feel like at this point with so much happening yeah. that, 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 yeah, that ritual is affected. I just cannot possibly watch any more news. And you're not alone there. We, with the work we've we've done around the world, we've seen consistently one of the major threats people are reporting is consumption of negative news. Mm. You know, in terms of everything that's going on in the world today, and we will continue to face this volume of media channels and clickbait that are fighting for our attention. That's not going away anytime soon. If anything, it's only going to get worse because eyes on adverts is revenue for media companies. And because of the way human beings are wired, headlines like Hoppy the Bunny Rabbit Saves Child doesn't get as many clicks as Hoppy the Bunny Rabbit Gets COVID and Kills Child. So we, we have this sway towards focusing on, on the negative. This is, and this is actually because of a, a phenomenon known as loss aversion, which has proven that human beings are typically more concerned with 
and motivated to avoid loss or what we stand to lose than what we stand to gain. And, you know, so these headlines that grab our attention around what we stand to lose is what then gets eyes on adverts and 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 it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy unfortunately there's so much good happening in the world but mainstream media it just isn't and I, this is no dig to mainstream media they're providing what they need to in terms of keeping people up to date but it's it's how we consume that and, and like mm. you said you found a way not to mm. it's it is a so self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. isn't it like yeah. We are fatigued because of the negative news, but we still want to watch it. And that's why they put it up, right? Like, you yeah. know, I know the media does get a hugely bad rap. Um, and I'm mm. sure, I'm sure there probably are some evil people in there. Yeah. But really, if we just stopped wanting to watch that bad stuff, then maybe they would change it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe there are great media outlets out there that that actually provide positive news. I've I follow one called Global Positive News. It's on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram anymore, but I just go to their website, Global Positive News, and it's a really healthy reminder that there's so much good happening in the world. And, and we'll talk about this more, I guess, in the conversations today. But where we focus our perspective has a direct impact on our resilience. Mm, okay, um, and resilience can be both for our personal lives and our professional lives. And you work with businesses, right, on building team resilience, yep. business resilience. Can yep. you talk to us a bit about that? And I guess maybe the differences between what it means to be personally resilient and resilient at work. Yeah, our personal and professional lives are no longer separate. And I know this is the same for you, Mark, and, and the team at Virgin Active. Even before the COVID-19 pandemic and the forced working from home situation we already had work invading our personal lives through the technology and devices that we carry around 24 7 now there's completely blurred lines between work and home life especially for white collar workers around the globe and because of these blurred lines between work and work life and home life if we're feeling low in resilience in our personal lives it's likely playing out in our work and vice versa and so with all the change and uncertainty faced, the pandemic has shone a huge light on mental health and well-being in the workplace. The thing is, many people were already facing health and well-being challenges, but now it's become so widespread and is affecting so many people that it's it's having a significant and widespread impact on business performance. And businesses have a duty to ensure their workforces are safe and well but they also exist to achieve shareholder returns. Mm. And research in 2021 showed that a lack of workforce resilience is is estimated to be costing Australian companies 12.8 billion per year in lost productivity, which is translated in dollar terms as rising absenteeism, people off sick. When people are at work, they're not focused or present, so presenteeism, and then people who are having to make workplace compensation claims um, for, for various reasons. And globally, this number is estimated to be over 60 billion. And that's billion, not million, right? Um, so if you compare this to the results of businesses who successfully address resilience, 
which includes saving costs, increased productivity. Employees are actually found to be twice as motivated and productive if they're resilient. Mm. Uh, so resilience training really boosts well-being. It boosts motivation and productivity, which is good for individuals, both in their home lives, their personal lives and their professional lives. And it's therefore good for business. So it's no wonder that resilience training is now a priority for all businesses wanting to remain in business. Mm, mm. And is this a, um, you know, is that something that the business would take, you know, is it a, um, okay, let's do this one day training and then everyone's resilient and then they move on? Or is it a, you know, a bit of a partnership or is it a plan that people work with? Yeah, that's a really important question. It, it's not, it can never just be a blip. Any training should never just be a blip in someone's day, week, month, or year. There needs to be support for taking the skills and tools they've learned and, and embedding them in their day-to-day work and lives, but embedding them as habits and building habits around them. And so our work involves helping people to learn those fundamental skills and tools for understanding their resilience and as i said everyone's already resilient to some degree so a really important part of the training we do is helping people to figure out how they're already resilient so they can tap into that and then learning new stuff they can do on top of it but anyone who goes through resilience training with ripen be that an individual teams or a whole workforce of a business they're given ongoing tools resources and you know we have ongoing interventions and training sessions and experiences where people can keep those skills, tools front of mind and uh, and we empower them with how to build those into lasting habits with the tools and resources that we provide. So no resilience training should just be a one-off blip. Otherwise, people typically just go back to what they've always done and the habits that they've, they've had established for a long time. Mm. And you just touched on my next question about being resilient how do I know? <laughs> like, how do I know <laughs> if, if I am? Yeah. Am I on a am I on a scale? You know, am I a one to ten? <laughs> yeah. There's we we've got a psychometric profile in process for actually measuring people in depth. I'd, I'd first of all say that many people are more resilient than they give themselves credit for, but some people may think they are resilient because of past experience or because they've overcome a really tough situation in the past. But this doesn't mean they will know what to do or how to respond when life throws a curveball they haven't seen yet. I overcame a lot of difficulties in my childhood and early career, including, as I said, loss of loved ones. But life life threw a huge curveball at me in, in 2011. It left me scrambling. And then I became a parent and I've had to cultivate a whole new and different spectrum of resilience. Any parents listening will know what I mean. Life is is really a never-ending resilience boot camp. And the, the, in answer to your question, the, the easiest way to know if you are resilient, if you're a resilient one, is to ask yourself a couple of simple questions and then honestly reflect on the answers. So the questions are, first of all, what is resilience and where does your resilience come from? How resilient do you currently feel and why? How are you monitoring your mental, emotional, physical and social well-being day to day? How do you know when your resilience is low or at risk of impacting your performance? And then ultimately, what tools or techniques are you using to bolster your resilience? And leaders can take these, can even ask these questions to their teams to gauge how resilient their team is and to start the conversation about 
resilience. And if you or your team are struggling to answer these questions or you don't really know the answer, then the bad news is resilience might be low. But the good news is there's an opportunity to build and cultivate your resilience, awareness and skills. So short of doing a full psychometric profiling, those those questions should should help people. Mm, for sure. I mean, just reflecting on those myself, it kind of, I mean, just the understanding of resilience can kind of give you a bit of a picture, right, of where you might be and whether that, I guess, the yeah, the next part that stood out for me is like, what am I doing to maintain or continue to build my resilience? Like, I, I probably do things now that are naturally building towards my resilience, but I don't do that in a conscious way, you know? It's not like I'm saying, you know, I need to work on my resilience today. I'm going to do some more yoga yeah exactly right a key part of of our resilience training is is helping people to identify where they're at currently and what they're already doing or not doing and through that awareness there's immense power often people leave having been reminded of a habit or a tool that they knew but for whatever reason had stopped using or stopped applying and through that increased awareness they then start applying it again or they make it part of their routine and the way they operate and that has a, has a significant impact on their resilience not just the new skills and tools that we can train people in it's that increased awareness of what they're already doing or where their resilience has already come from because for a lot of people like you said it's unconscious stuff we're doing and but by turning the dial up on on making them conscious and acknowledging hey this thing actually makes me more resilient I'm, i've noticed this thing that in itself is incredibly powerful mm, mm. i was reading about on your website an acronym yep um p-l-o-m plom yeah. <laughs> it's a cool it's a cool new word p-l-o-m can you tell us what a plom is <laughs> not not to be confused with what brits are called in australia poms which uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> although there's might be some alignment so Yeah, a key resilience skill we train people in is self-awareness, which is the ability to pay attention to your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviours and your psychological reactions in any given moment. We don't need to pay attention to ourselves in every moment, but we do in the moments or situations that matter. And anyone who has been through resilience training with RIPEN will know this term PLOM, P-L-O-M, stands for poor little old me. This is the affectionate label we give to people who are in a mindset that pulls themselves or others down. Plums may not intend to, but their words, their energy and actions typically zap the joy and energy out of the people and things that they interact with. Everything is too hard for plums. Life is unfair and plums love getting together and having plum parties with other plums and they share in their misery with others in a similar state of mind, all feeling sorry for themselves. And they they love recruiting an executive plum into their gang because a plum with social status or seniority can spread the plumness to more people faster. And we all know a plum. <laughs> We've probably all been plums because the truth is, Mark, we can all be plums. And the pandemic has meant we've all felt a little sorry for ourselves at times. And that's totally understandable. Mm. And I mean, I guess there's a bit of plum in all of us. Yep. Um, Can they still be resilient? Great question. Our mindset dropping 
into negative, pessimistic or limiting states is is inevitable at times. As you said, we, we've all got a bit of plum in us or it's part of being human. But it's when we stay stuck there that this plumness can spread quickly into our work, into our lives and our relationships, having a detrimental impact on our ability to, to do things like self-regulate and then take affirmative action to move ourselves forward. And if we're not moving ourselves forward through a, through a challenge, we're often staying stuck or we're going backwards. And a key habit that's learned by resilient people is the ability to pay attention to their mindset identify its impact on the current situation faced and then regulate themselves to take appropriate action to get the best outcome. Mm. And it's not about denying the bad stuff that's happening or about suppressing sadness. It's just about knowing what's happening and why and then being able to take conscious action. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that self-awareness piece is important, right? It's... um... It's really massively, mm. yeah. It's 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 the crux of resilience. It's it's the first. It's where we start with our resilience training. And a lot of people will say they're self aware, but when you actually put the questions in front of them, or you get to, to think through what they're thinking, feeling, and and how their behaviours are showing up, then they may have an awareness that actually they're not as self aware as they thought. Mm. And the interesting thing about this this idea of being a plum and sadness is as adults we've often been conditioned and this may be through society or role models that we had in our, our our upbringing to view sadness and especially crying as a weakness this is a common issue for men especially but the opposite is true sadness is a strength when it's harnessed effectively because by acknowledging when we're sad identifying why and then having productive ways to feel through it and maybe that's talking through the situational challenge with others then it doesn't weigh us down so much we can we can actually move on feeling lighter and we're then able to operate or float into more naturally positive states of mind and as i said earlier nobody escapes pain fear and suffering therefore we we just can't avoid sadness and often the only path to happiness is through sadness, mm. not around it. So we don't like to vindicate plums. It's it's about knowing when you're there and then having coping mechanisms for moving through it effectively. Mm. Yeah, I like the way that you've looked at that. Um, yeah, that it's a, it's actually a strength to be able to notice when we're in that time, sp- headspace, Um and moving through it is often the the best way to get to the other side. Exactly. The, the alternative is suppressing sadness, but that doesn't make it go away. We haven't actually worked through what's making us sad. And, mm. and resilience is about, as I said, it's not about trying to bounce back to who we were. It's about having healthy ways to face those hardships and still become a better version of ourselves in the process. And it's a fact of life that life is evergreen. Time is an incredible healer, but that doesn't help us in the here and now. Uh, And so it's about having things you can do in the here and now just to make it through uh, in the best way possible. Mm. Um, Talking more about relationships in particular, obviously resilience, we can work on that as an individual, and we've kind of touched on that. What about... What about the resilience as part of a team, maybe a team at work or even a family, you know, working on your family resilience? Is that a 
Is that a thing? Great question. A really important question because you can be the most resilient person on the planet, but if you are part of a team or a, a system, be, be that a family or, or, or equivalent, if you're part of a team or, or equivalent that's not resilient, then it doesn't mean much, right? And vice versa, you can be someone who is low in resilience, but if you're part of a resilient team, then it elevates you. And so the best teams and businesses build their resilience as a collective. And it's not just an elite or special through uh, a special few. Resilience is, is certainly an individual set of abilities, but it's so much more meaningful when it's built as a shared resource or a collective resource among a, a team or group of individuals. To put this into context, Members of the most elite teams on the planet have built their individual resilience, but so have their teammates. If you consider Navy SEALs, for example, they're required to go through one of the toughest entrance exams on the planet. But to be a Navy SEAL, you're not just required to make it through the individual tests. They require you to team with others. What that means is you can be the best individual operator, someone who's nailing all the tests they put in front of you as an individual. But if you haven't teamed with your colleagues, the people around you going through the tests as well, you're not going to make it through as a Navy SEAL. So leaders who experience resilience training without their team can be a beacon of resilience for their teams. And we equip leaders with tools and resources to help them role model resilience but a whole team or workforce that goes through resilience training together means they're equipped to support each other during good times and bad because they have a common language and set of tools for facing the inevitable setbacks and challenges together as a unit. Mm. And speaking about that beacon, and I just had this image of this, you know, um, uh, that that beacon who is individually resilient and strong and no matter what sort of group they are part of, can their resilience be directly affected positively or negatively by the others around them? So they might be a beacon, but can their light become yeah. you know, less bright? As I'm sure you've experienced, Mark, in your relationships, relationships of all shapes and sizes require immense resilience. Um, and so the people we interact with are, are, are constantly impacting on how we're operating and, and how our levels of resilience are showing up, right? And I often playfully say that there's nothing more annoying than another person, right? Other people, even our closest loved ones and children, all think, feel and behave differently to us in almost every way. And this leads to communication breakdowns and sometimes conflicts between people, resilient people and others, when often it's just a difference of perspective or opinion or behaviour. And what we do know is that some relationships can be immensely toxic and can erode our resilience, almost beating us and our self-worth down until we become a shell of ourselves. And this might actually be a spouse, a friend or even a boss at work. Whereas other relationships can bring us immense joy, gratitude and vitality. And so they're actually building us up into better versions of ourselves. Mm, mm. And are there other threats to our resilience outside of people? People? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, there are. And everybody's unique and the threats faced will be specific to their own journey. And But given our work around the globe, we've we've been able to identify there's four consistent threats to personal resilience that we keep hearing. And I've come to refer to them as the ABCDs because that's easy to remember and they actually directly relate to what's going on in the world today. So I'll talk through each one and, and I'd love to get your perspective on these as well. So the first one is is A, ambiguity. The second one is burnout, B for burnout. Then we've got consumption, which is the C, and then D is devices. So ambiguity, burnout, consumption, devices. That's it for this week. Tune in for our new weekly episodes starting same time as we continue the conversation with Matt. We'll dive into what exactly the four threats to our resilience are, as well as the key ways we can bring more resilience into our life. Bye for now.